Hello and welcome to The Home Stretch, the ultimate guide to buying your first home with Gaff Interiors and Bank of Ireland. I'm Joe, And I'm Caroline. And across this six-part series, we'll be covering everything from getting your finances in order to finding the perfect house, the legal things you need to know and how to style your home when you eventually get the keys. In the last episode, we got down and dirty with the finance side of things. And today, in the second episode of the series, we're moving on to the housing market and how to get a handle on that. So you know how much you can afford, you know how much you're going to borrow, but where should you be looking and what should you be mindful of? We are delighted to be joined by independent property buying agent, Brethany O'Kelly this morning. Brethany, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we feel like your advice is going to be such an integral part in the series. So maybe to start off, can you tell us a little bit about what you do, what your role is? Yeah. So I am a licensed estate agent, but I don't do any selling of houses. I just buy for people. And my clients typically, say 60% of my clients live abroad. They're Irish people living abroad who may never have bought in Ireland. They might have just emigrated after college, gone abroad, done five years and think, well, I'd like to buy a house back in Ireland now. So they'd contact me. Sometimes they're in a different time zone, they're in a different country and it's just impossible for them to get a, a purchase I also have clients who live in Ireland who want to buy in Ireland. Perhaps they don't know the terrain so well. They're from outside of Dublin, so they just don't know the areas or else they're extremely busy at work and they just don't have the time to follow up with agents, arrange appointments, etc, etc. And they need some guidance too. Then lately, actually, I've also been working with clients on a one hour coaching basis. And for example, I had one yesterday and he is someone who had been looking at different houses, had regretted that he hadn't bid on a particular house. And now he was coming to me to kind of regroup and run through his thinking and get clear and formulate his next plan. So that's the two ways I work, a full buying service and an hour coaching service. It's amazing, actually, because like a couple of friends of mine and my brother as well live abroad and they're thinking, oh, I want to buy a house back home. But it wouldn't have occurred to them that they could maybe get onto someone like you. They they think that they have to move home before they'll ever, a bank will even go near them. So that's amazing and reassuring for people who do want to plan to come home, but don't want to maybe come home and then have to rent for ages. Mm -hmm. That I didn't even know that this kind of service existed. Neither did I. No. That's amazing. Um, But we want to ask you, do you find when you work with first time buyers, are they looking for a house that they love or are they looking for a particular area and which should come first? So firstly, when I come across clients, they're usually some degree down the road and they're a bit frustrated. So the kinds of things that are frustrating them is particularly this kind of question, which is, oh, I love the specification of this house, as in it's in good condition, but it's not in an area I love. Or I love this area, but the condition is disastrous and I'm not sure how to Mm. prioritise things. Um, So in general, I find first time buyers, actually, if they have their mortgage loan offer letter together, they should not underestimate the importance of that. A lot of people think they're first time buyers, but they haven't had that final conversation with the mortgage broker. Don't go and put an offer on a house before you've gotten that sorted. Mm-hmm. So, Or don't fall in love with a house before you have it. Don't even go looking delivery. at a house until yes. you've talked to the bank. So exactly. hopefully if they've listened to episode one, they'll know that that's the most important part to start with. And then hypothetically, now they're in position maybe to, to look around. OK, so if... Let's, so let's assume you've got your firm letter of loan offer and your average first time buyer might be putting in a 10% deposit, as we know, and chances are they're loan approved for something between, say, 250 and 350. That's not an unusual first time buyer. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would suggest they do is get out their phone, download the My Home app 
on the My Home app, go up to the top left corner, scroll down till you get the Near Me function. That allows you basically to fly like a bird around all of Dublin and physically look at the prices. The chances are, if you've got your loan approval, you know that you can't afford to buy probably in Ballsbridge. And you probably know that there are certain areas that are for you. But there might be other areas that are for you that you mightn't have thought of. And by simply using the My Home app and just literally flying around, that's what I do as soon as I get a new client. And I look around and see, well, what's Crumlin like at the moment if they're a first time buyer? What's Cabra like? What's Intercore like? That's a really good point. Um, so just without, without doing anything else, don't get too involved in the type of house. Just understand from so this fly around. Like a money map of Precisely. the areas that you're a interested in. Yeah, I do. I love doing that myself. Now, I, I have a house, but I'm still, I'm on the apps all day, every day. And I, I do really enjoy stepping back like a bird, like you say, and seeing the hot spots and seeing the prices. And you get a really clear idea of where things are close to the city or, you know, if you want to be further from the city, that that's an amazing place to start, actually. Yeah. So once they maybe have a look and think, OK, that's not somewhere that I ever considered, but there's a lot of properties in that area that fall into my price category. Should they get then literally drive down to the area? What should they be looking for? 100%. And I guess the first thing they need to make peace with is that if they've grown up in Dublin and they're buying in Dublin, they're going to be moving out of their comfort zone. That's kind of goes without saying, because it's unlikely they're going to be able to buy the kind of house, which might be a three or four bed semi that they've grown up in the likes of wherever, a settled, mature residential area. So it's going to be uncomfortable. And I guess we all need to acknowledge there's going to be a step outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. when you go to a new area. And a compromise. Yes. And also it's worth considering Whose opinion are you going to consider when you're looking at this area? Because your parents are going to think, oh, this feels a bit dodgy to me. But they're their age and you're your age and their tribe is doing one thing and your tribe is doing another thing. So you're looking out for your tribe. So let's just say your question, Joe, there is what should you do? You've, you've narrowed it down to maybe one or two or three areas. I completely agree. You go there, you do a drive around first and you'll see yourself where the nice coffee shops are or where the one nice coffee shop is. You know, if it's becoming, if the area is coming, like, for example, down in East Wall, a new nice coffee shop has opened. And in a sense, it's just like uh, someone putting their hand up and saying, hello, I'm here. I'm yeah, your tribe. 100%. And, and you say, OK, well, people like me are here. They've got that kind of coffee. And OK, mm-hmm. they've got that kind of window in the house. So what you're now looking at is you're looking basically for your tribe. If you actually think of it, as basically as a hierarchy of needs. You need shelter, you need warmth, you need a roof, but then you need safety. That's probably the next one before even finding your tribe. You need to, when you drive around these areas, just pick three or four and wonder, do I feel safe? Park your car and get out. I love the idea of finding your tribe too. Mm. I think that's so important. Like even when it comes to renting, I would always be looking at different areas and then you think, okay, what is, I always look for the coffee shop because I think if that's there yeah. and you have that base, especially when for us, that's so important for our work. You do want to have a little base and know that, okay, there's people that we'll be able to connect with in the area. That's and a really good idea. I always look at the windows. One of my favourite things to do mm-hmm. is to drive around and see these gorgeous new grey windows because I'm yep. thinking, okay, people they're like me, they're, they're moving in, mm-hmm. yes. they're upgrading. So then you are going to be surrounded by like-minded people. You're going to have similar lifestyles. Those visual cues are 
a great place to start as well. So so at this point, you maybe haven't even found a house in that area, but you're getting a feel for areas that might suit. The areas come first. I guess how you how you live. So, you know, I would get out, out of my house and get straight into my car, whereas someone else might have to walk a long way to get a bus. So true. So depending on if you're how you work or whatever, or like I, we work at home a lot. So for me, I guess if the street didn't feel particularly safe for walking down at night, I don't know if it would occur to me as much as it would for someone who has to maybe work shifts. Yeah. So I guess keep that in mind too. For sure. Absolutely. So, and that is why we're saying park our car and get out of it. Yes, we're doing a bit of a drive around to see, is it at all for us, this area? But we are also parking our car and physically using our senses then and our eyes to see who lives here. Okay. Okay. So key things to look for in an area, safety, your tribe. Your tribe. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess it comes down to your personal life. So if you've got kids and you need to be near schools, you kind of get granular with people like to that level where you're thinking, where's your work? And also I want to know if someone is buying a house, right, it's obviously like a long term purchase most of the time. And they're thinking, I want to be close to work, but your work might change. Your job might change in a couple of years. Should you buy buying a house in an area that suits your work or suits your lifestyle? It's not an issue that's really arisen. I can understand the question, but... What I feel is that, and we'll come back to it, but in general, when you're a first time buyer, you don't have that many choices. Like you're not going to be buying in an area that doesn't work at all. So, But but let's just take that. Let's say you're working in the city centre. Now, you might get the, the lifestyle you might like is out and about, walks, the countryside, uh, parks for your children. And that might be in Ratoth, yeah. you know, in County Meath. But it means an awful long commute to get into town. So in that situation... That's really a personal call as to if, let's say, it's a mum and a dad and two kids. Well, is one person going to sacrifice themselves to do a long commute to facilitate the mum and mm-hmm. the kids, if that's who's staying at home, to be at home? Or or do they both have a taste for living closer to town and spending less time? So it is a personal call. But yeah. in general, I would always be saying it's you you need to suit. Your job might change tomorrow. Yeah. You might get a horrible boss tomorrow and you might want to change your job. So... You, you need to suit you. And are more, are more people, in your experience, going for the closer to city living and, and a smaller house, maybe not the house they want, over the bigger house but further away? Is it Are they choosing location more so than they are the house? Always. Okay, and that's yeah. the right way to do it? For sure. I, okay. Like, for example, um, a client I was talking to before I came this morning, he's in Sydney. I had shown him a house and I'd gone to view it, had sent him a video and I said, this is the right road for you to be buying on. And he was scrolling and he came up with a house in better condition on a worse road. And I'm saying it's good to be having this conversation because it's a principle we need to establish. Are we buying location over condition? And my advice is always buy location over condition. Because you can change the condition. You can change the condition, but you can't change the location. Okay, yeah, I think that's really, really good advice. So I don't want to keep this too Dublin centric, me being a Cork woman, obviously, but... When it comes to up and coming areas, what kind of places are you seeing emerging? I mean, obviously, because I'm living in Dublin, I would agree. I think there's always places in Inchicore, Crumlin, Cabra. I have a friend who bought in Cabra last year. So what are the kind of emerging places that you see people are able to get on the ladder with? Right now, if you were to search on after my home, you'd find a first home buyer is likely to find a house they can afford in Eastwall, in perhaps in North Strand, Cabra. Stony Batter is nearly getting out of reach of first time Which is um, unbelievable because I feel like Stony Batter accelerated so quickly. I used to live in Fibsborough and I feel like in that time Stony Batter took off and Fibsborough is still crawling up there, mm. the part that I was in anyway. But Stony Batter just seems to just mm. 
fly off. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah, I suppose it depends. Like not all my first time buyers are limited to 350. Some of them can afford it, but in general, the average one can't. So Cabra, some parts of Drumcondra, they're within reach. And they're so close to the city. And they're so close. Walk. Yeah. Um, Inchicore and Kilmainham. And then is there and anywhere regionally that you've noticed? I know I heard that Dungarvan is the most popular place to live outside of Dublin at the moment. It's crazy rent-wise down there. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I can understand why it's so lovely. Regionally, I have to tell you, I haven't done first-time buyers for regional people, although I've been asked in Cork. I just feel I can't add the local knowledge to them. If someone wants to buy, say, a country house, then I can work with them. But regionally, I just don't know what the first-time buyer's market is in Cork. But I'm going to have to find out because I'm mm. doing a talk there, I think, <laughs> <laughs> in a few weeks' time. So if people aren't fussy at all about the area or the coffee shops or the schools, is it really just money they're being guided by then? But what the areas they can afford in? It's rare that you get someone who's just not fussy at all. Yeah. Because people have their preferences and their tastes. You'll have an arty person, you'll have an accountant person and they'll all be drawn to different tribes and different areas and different zones. If the question is, where should you look if you're really not fussed at all? Well, maybe it doesn't matter if you're not fussed. It it doesn't really matter. But I I would always say just narrow it down to three areas and pick three and work with three. Otherwise, you tend to get exhausted. And can I ask you as well, with, with first time buyers, Okay, maybe they're in a relationship, maybe they're planning on getting married, maybe they're not. Maybe maybe it's someone on their own. But mm. if they're if kids aren't on the cards yet, but they will be, will they be buying in an area with the long term in mind of kids and amenities and schools? Or do you find the first time buyers just want to get on the ladder? I think it's unlikely that they'll have the choice in mm. a sense. But let's say not all first time buyers are couples, but in the event that they are and there may be a chance of children, why not? If there's an area that's affordable, close to an educate together school mm. or close to somewhere that is your kind of school. Why not look there? If I were to prioritise, I'd prioritise your needs now. We never know what happens. Yeah. We, we don't know if our job will move. So I would tend to buy for now. OK, when it comes to you then finding a place and people say, yes, this sounds great. We want to go for it. What is the story with the, the bidding process? That seems to be a very terrifying stage for people. Mm. Yeah, and it is. The first thing I would establish is who are you buying from? Who is selling this house? Because typically who are selling houses are executors. Someone has died and the estate is selling the house. People who are trading up, people who are trading down. But that's not likely in first time buyers. So first time buyers are likely to be buying from executor sales, from people trading up and from banks. It, maybe it's a receiver it sale. Divorce and death. And, yeah, divorce, death, <laughs> oh, wow. death and death. Oh, yeah. The oh, geez, yeah. yeah. They're who you're likely to be buying from. And it's relevant because if it's a bank that's selling... It may be that you won't get a mortgage on this house because sometimes when a bank has appointed a receiver to sell the house and it means you may not get a full suite of documentation, legal documentation. You're going to have to make a bit of a uh, take a few things on faith that banks aren't happy to take on faith. So if you're borrowing, you don't really want to be buying a receiver property. Okay, so that's something that you should look out for as well. How can you know if it's a receiver property? You can ask the agent and there are also telltale signs. Very often there's signs that it's been uh, rented for a long time and there's been no love in it at all. And it's, you know, the leather couches and the brown kitchens and it's... Mm There's some signs. It can be quite evident. But most commonly you're going to be buying from a previous owner. Yeah, most commonly it'll be maybe an executor sale. So let's say it is an executor sale. 
the good thing about bidding on an executive sale or the good thing to know is that this property is likely to get sold. Sometimes properties don't necessarily get sold, as in if a couple don't get a price that they need to get to allow them to trade up, they can't accept your price. So it might not actually get sold the property, whereas if it's an executor sale, it's going to get sold. So that's great. So it depends on what it's on the market for and who else is bidding. But my key principle is, let's say it's asking 295 mm-hmm. and you can go to 300 comfortably. And you've done a bit of research, you've looked at the property price register, you've phoned some of the other sale agreeds in the area and you know, yeah, it's probably worth 300. And let's say the bidding is at 290. If you can comfortably spend 300 and your research, and we can get into that a bit more mm, if you like. Yeah, I'd love to um, pick your Your last. research has shown that it's about worth it. You know, that doesn't seem like a mad price. One approach is to just bid the the jump, make the jump okay. from 290 wow. to 300. Now, it's an approach. And why might you do it? You might do it because if you're going to go there anyway, if you're happy to spend that money, you're just going to end up getting bid up in increments of 2000, yeah. 2000. And you don't get any power out of that 2000 bid. Whereas if you go up in one fell swoop, you know you're happy to spend it. But that 10,000 just might scare everyone else away. Wow. It's a power so move. I love it's it. It's a power move. <laughs> wow. Because I would have thought that whenever you see a price on my home or daft, you know, you're always going to go in under it and then you're going to be back and forth, back and forth. And that's just such a headache. And then suddenly it could just go up so far yeah. that it's probably way beyond what the actual house in that area is worth. It could. So it's not, I'm not necessarily saying you should do it. Yeah. But if you feel confident enough that this is a good buy at this level, then it's something to consider. Or else you can just chunk away and go up in 2000s or mm-hmm. 1000s, whatever it is. That's one approach. But you should go in with your bottom line, like in your head, even if you don't say it, you know we are not going over this price, even if, because you get, you get so emotional and you could get caught up and thinking, oh, we really want this house and suddenly you're up another 20 grand and you're having to ask the bank for more money or borrow from a family member. Do you think that you shouldn't, shouldn't waver on the price that you set yourself? The it's a really good question. And no, I don't think you shouldn't waver because if what I'm really saying is if you can only spend 300, if you know that's all you can spend, not even so much you've decided, but you know you can't go any more, then maybe make that bid. Mm. At least it gives you some power in the situation. But let's say you have borrowing capacity up to 350, but you think... 310 is pushing it. It's maybe overpriced at 310. Here's what I think you should definitely do is give consideration and give value to the fact that if you spend that extra 10,000, you will now have got your house. You'll be in. Your search will be over. There's a value to that. Get, just getting the deal done. As in, it means you don't have to spend every Saturday looking at a house. You don't have to have every conversation about a house. You can start renovating it. So there's a value, a life value to actually getting the deal done. I would say it might be worth paying a little bit over Mm. what you think it might be worth if you want to just get this thing done and move on. Yeah, you can't really put a price on getting that stress off your plate, really. No. And as I just want to come back to the point that you made there, which people might not be aware of, but it's such a good piece of advice is to look at the the registry and see what places have been selling for in the area so that you're not paying way over the odds. That's true. But the property price register is very behind the times. You, okay. you won't find up to date property price register information. Really? For example, you just find like, a historical. Let's say you're looking at Stanaway Road, for argument's sake. If you go onto the property price register now, the most 
recent one there is likely to be maybe February of this year or January. But the market's changing. So you want to have current information. So I would absolutely advise if you are interested, having done all the fly arounds, the drive arounds, the walk arounds, the specific streets, I would phone agents of sale agreed houses and ask them what have they gone sale agreed for. And they'll tell you? Sometimes. (laughs) Um, Here's how they might, you might encourage them to tell you. If you say there's, my aunt has a house on that road she's thinking of selling, we're just Uh, wondering. That, uh, if they feel there might be some... stuff, mm, breath me. (laughs) You don't have to exactly lie. But you you might say we might have a house coming up for sale there. I suppose that is a bit of a fib. But they do feel... Chicken (laughs) trade. They do feel that they might get a sale out of you. In which case, they'll understand you really want to know these values. Okay. And let's say the house that they have been sale, they're now sale agreed on, was on the market for 295. If you ask them, they mightn't tell you the exact figure, but at least you can say, well, was it over 300? Was it in the, you can Mm -hmm. give them a few suggestions and they'll tell you. And that will give you your most up to date market knowledge. How do you find guiding people through the bidding process? I mean, are you the one who looks after the bidding for them too? How do you find that process? Is it a stressful time for people or with your kind of expertise, do you find you keep it very clear, pay what you're going to pay, make that power move. Take the emotion out of it. Yeah, exactly. As Caroline said, it is such an emotional time, especially if you're really invested in a property. And you're knackered because you've been around the block so many times trying to find somewhere and you just want to get it done. And now money starts to lose all meaning. Like I've had friends who went, sale agreed on like, or maybe 15 houses and these things all fell through or went to view maybe over a hundred properties and they're just like, I actually could go and buy a bar now at this stage. I'm so defeated. So yeah, yeah, how do you keep that? Okay, so here's the thing I think you really have to pay attention to. Are you keep getting, are you always being at bid? If you're always being at bid, which is what frustrates people, you can't afford this area. It's really that simple. If you, if you can't, it, like, there's no reason to assume that prices are going to drop or that if you couldn't afford that one or that one, that you'll be able to afford this one if it's in the same area. So it may be that you need to change area or just move a little bit further away from this hot spot of value that is just beyond your reach. That is so frustrating when you're mm. outbid. But but I mean, that that's great advice. Like if that keeps happening, I've had friends who just constantly being outbid. And obviously that was the issue is mm-hmm. that they were just out of their price range. Mm. But so also like a go. supply and demand. There's so few decent houses and there's so many people who are like get me out of this renting situation because they're paying so much more for rent than they would be with the mortgage so it's just yeah it's just I mean there's no point in glassing over it it is a challenging time for first-time buyers if they're not coming in with a huge chunk of cash you know Absolutely and also what what seems to be just unfortunate is that everyone is in this market in the under 500 market under 400 market there's first-time buyers there's people splitting up there's people trading down and there's investors everyone is in Mm -hmm. this market there's much less action in the late 600, 700, mm, 800s, much millions, much, much slower. And are people having to act super fast? Like, you know, they find a house, they think, right, this is a great area. The house is fine. I can add to it later on. And then, you know, ideally they'd go off and they'd, they'd come back to the house on, on a different day, like you you say, and get a feel for the area, go for coffee nearby, see see what the people are like, get an idea for other houses on the, on the street and what work has been done. But it, do they have that luxury in the market that's so no. quick? Because they have no. to, if they find it, it's like they have to put a bid in straight away. Yeah, they do. So which is why you're having your coffee first. You're looking on the street first. Right, you're okay. checking out your neighbours first. So what are the key pieces of research that a 
potential buyer would need to do before they get themselves to the house? Because I think I know from all of our friends, the first place they start is looking at specific houses they haven't gone to the bank. So we, we know we've been through all that, but the actual key things research wise, when they've gotten their money, what can we just tick those off so people can go away with that? So you've got your money, you go into my home and you do a drive around. If you've already got a sense of three areas you can afford, forget my home. Just go there and do a drive around. When, you, when you're in the area, see, does it get out of your car? Does it feel safe? Take note of houses that are sale agreed on different roads and phone those agents and ask them what they're sale agreed for. And while you're on the phone to the agent, ask them one other question, which is, what are your favourite streets in this area? Mm-hmm. Because they will all have their favourite streets. So you're getting agents' local knowledge of the area too, and you're getting most up-to-date sale agreed prices. Really important because that means you're now an expert. I do think there's a bit of a tendency on first-time buyers to focus on all the things they don't know. Your job is to decide you're going to make it easy, you're going to make it simple, you're going to make it fun, you're going to be expert. Focus on what you can know. You're you're going to become the expert. Don't worry about what you don't know. Keep drawing in what you can be sure of. I love that you use the word fun because I think people oh, lose that honestly, element. Honestly, and like it's nothing, it's not something that has come up at all in our conversations, it, everyone recounts it as such a stressful, horrible experience. It would be amazing to think that it could be an exciting, fun process where you're you're on the journey to find your home. You've made this great achievement of getting mortgage approval and that it could actually be an enjoyable process. So I think changing mm. people's mentality would be yeah. incredible. And reconciling that, OK, you know how much you can borrow. You know what areas you can afford. Stop bothering to look in the areas that you can't afford. Mm-hmm. Stop falling in love yes. with the houses that are so out of reach. I mean, maybe look at other houses for ideas on how to decorate. But mm-hmm. I think once you once you know I can only afford in this area, it limits your focus and then it takes some of the stress away. You've absolutely identified a key thing there, Caroline, which is limiting. The more limitations you can put on your search, the quicker it's going to go. But if you keep allowing, and it keeps the energy taut and focused, but if you keep allowing yourself to wander off down to different areas, looking at glamorous new homes in places that you don't want or... Indeed, new home spaces you do want, but you've got to keep focused on location. That's the single most important thing. The other thing I just say when you're looking at houses, and I know you'll probably be talking to a builder. When you go into a house, just some key things to keep an eye on are orientation. So you want the back of the house facing southwest. That is the best orientation or west because it means you get the afternoon and the evening sun. Is that still a top priority for people? Well, again, if they can choose, they will choose that. Things that add value to houses, intrinsic value are side access, end of terrace or side access, orientation, off street parking, the windows being done already. So you don't have to go in and do all the windows, the roof being in good condition, having a bathroom upstairs. A lot of first time buyer houses don't have the bathroom upstairs, they're downstairs. So if you see a house that has a bathroom upstairs, even if it's in awful condition, at least the plumbing is done. That That's a good thing to look out for. Brilliant. Wow, yeah. those are really, really good points to touch on. Can we ask you about the, the market right now? So is it first time buyers don't necessarily have the luxury of waiting for prices to go down because they're paying massive amounts of rent? It, does the, does the prices being good or bad affect a first-time buyer? Do they just have to, do you think they just should get on the ladder? Well, my big picture view about is this the right time to buy question, which is effect, that's kind yeah. of the question you're asking, is if it's the right time for you to buy, then it's the right time. If you've got loan approval, it's a golden moment. You can't assume you'll always have that, be able to get it because who knows what will happen with your job. So if you can get it, I advise get it. 
And in terms of waiting for prices to do this, that or the other, this is such a mad world. So what is, we've no idea what's going to happen on a macro level. The only thing we can focus on is our game. What we can control ourselves. What we ourselves. can control ourselves, exactly. Yeah. I also like the idea of um, advising listeners that when they're putting together their finances with the bank and they're figuring out what they can afford, maybe at that time they can start to have been looking at areas so that by the time they get approval, then they're straight ready to hit the ground running because they only have six months. And then we were talking to our finance expert, Shane, we don't want first-time buyers to be in a position where six months has come and gone and then they've changed the situation. Maybe they've changed jobs and suddenly they have to go through the whole process again. So yeah. if they can simultaneously get their finances in order while doing their research and going for their coffees and stuff, I think that would be a really effective use of people's time. Absolutely. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. Bethany, you've just given so much advice and I think for anyone listening abroad or here, it's just a great idea to get in touch and do that hour coaching with you and just bed down into the specifics of what they need and feel like they can be an expert and tackle this head on and mm. feel like it's an enjoyable I think that's the one of the best takeaways so Absolutely. far is to actually enjoy the process mm. and have some fun Before we let you go can we ask you are there any key red flags to look out for when you're looking at purely at location? Neighbours buying your neighbours I would say that's really important and if you're in doubt ring on the neighbour's door and just say hi I'm thinking of buying this area that's a start Okay brilliant Try and take should out of it for themselves just there's no right amount there's no right house it's you and your preferences your safety and your tastes and your tribe. The, the right answer isn't written on a drawer somewhere, what you should pay and where it is. It's you. So it's kind of like an internal journey as well as an external journey buying a house. You're, you're taking steps into the brave world by borrowing money, but you're also taking an internal journey and you're relying on yourself and your guts and your tastes and your, your own belief mm. in yourself. It must be so hard for for people buying. I, I'm sure if you have parents and friends who are chiming in saying, oh, but we're in this area. Or as you said, if your folks are saying, oh, that doesn't seem great. So I guess it does come down to just being strong in your own convictions and knowing what is right for you, which mm. is much easier said than done. Indeed. For sure. Yes. Yeah, it's such a huge commitment. You know, it's the biggest thing you'll ever buy. It's a long term commitment. It's not something, well, for most people, I don't think they're wanting to open sell in a year's time. So you have to suit yourself in every way possible, don't you? That's true. But just on that about the commitment, I, I was talking to a client this morning in Sydney and we we're looking at a house that we might buy and he was kind of having the commitment thought and I was thinking, well, really, yes, it is a commitment, but your risks are the transaction cost, basically, because this house, if we buy it, it'll have gone sale agreed within two weeks. So that means that if you want to sell it, you'll probably be able to sell it in two weeks. Okay. And mm. your your risks are your costs will be your transaction costs, the cost of appointing the agent to sell it, the cost of getting the solicitor, etc., paying off the bank. But that, if you're buying in a good location where there's high demand, that's probably your risk. OK, that's a good way of looking at mm. it. Because we're always, we're out. probably terrifying our listeners when actually it's really not that intimidating <laughs> at all. Where can people find you? Absolutely. Yeah. So at brefneyokelly.ie, B-R-E-F-F-N-I-E, O'Kelly. And I also have At Home With Brefney as my podcast. So I have lots of tips too and they're all free. So decide you're going to be an expert. Decide you're going to know. Amazing. And you are available for people if they want to do that one hour consultation. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So they yeah. don't necessarily need to follow through right to buying a house with you. They can just get no, just buy an more hour personalised detail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brefney, thank you so much for giving us your time. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you for having me in. Thank you so much. That is it for episode two of The Home Stretch, The Ultimate Guide to Buying Your First Home with Gaff Interiors in Bank of Ireland. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us for the next episode where we'll have our very own builder in to tell you everything you need to look out for once you get into your very first home. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do and join us for the next episode.
Meet a Bank of Ireland mortgage specialist anytime, anywhere. Go to boi.com forward slash homes. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank, trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.